Hey, hello, I'm Ange Miller, artist and passionate creative. Thank you for joining me. Welcome to my podcast. It is my joy and passion to remind you of your unique creative value and voice and empower you to your creative unfurling. Because now more than ever, we need to spread a creative contagion that lifts us to our feet, beckons us to spread our wings. The thermals are calling. So whether you feel ready or not, this is what you're built for, my friend, because you are actually the art. Hey, welcome to this episode nine. Oh, slightly frustrated here because I actually just recorded this whole podcast and for some reason, uh, about 30 minutes of the middle is missing. (laughs) Oh, just, yeah, thanks. Thanks for hearing that. I just know because something silly happened um, to the last podcast too and I never, well, I couldn't release it because I had the wrong microphone, um, had had picked up the recording, most of it, and it just, you could hardly hear what was being said. So I just have to get straight back on the horse this morning and do this one again because I won't be stopped. So welcome. Thanks for tuning in. So good to have you. How are you going? This crazy, crazy time. It's probably every time on this earth is a bit crazy, isn't it? But what I wanted to talk about this episode nine is the idea of healing our belief and this one's been brewing for a while because I've noticed that yeah it's a good deal of my pain and struggle in life is directly relating to beliefs that are keeping me small and limited boxed confined powerless and I think Yeah, it's one huge reason why we have so much trouble expanding and evolving and enlarging, establishing ourselves, is that our belief is limited. It's a bit broken. One of my most popular reels was a process um, video that featured the question, how big would you dream if you knew you couldn't fail? How big would you dream if you knew you couldn't fail? And immediately upon hearing that question, I felt something inside of me just resonate so strongly. I just felt like walls come down, (laughs) this possibility of limitlessness, the possibility of something um, enormous growing that... (laughs) It, it must be real. You know, for me to sense that, to have that feeling upon hearing those words, it's like something was just unlocked inside of me. Something became unboxed. And just for a second, I could imagine limitlessness. And <laughs> that to me is, that's a signal of something real, buried deep inside of myself. 
something that's made to unfurl and expand. Big as the universe. Yeah, do you feel it? So how can we tell if our belief is broken? Uh, so if you have trouble with avoidance and manipulation, like feeling like you've got to plan things sneakily to get what you need or want, um, lies of any degree, even the little ones, cancelling people, these are all fear-based, do you see? It's all out of fear. It's not out of love. Failure to dream big and failure to give action to your big dreams. There's a Winston Churchill quote that says, success is the ability to go from failure to failure with no loss of enthusiasm. Success is the ability to go from failure to failure with no loss of enthusiasm. And I think, yeah, I mean, you could imagine that that the attempts that you're going from failure to failure with, you would tweak things, you know, before you attempt it again. You would be intelligent about what to um, upgrade or change or how to approach it for the next attempt and even if you fail you still keep coming at it because of this tenacious belief that there has to be something here that that something is going to give and I will push through to whatever it is on the other side so I want to bring this around to belief and especially believing about people, what we believe about people. That's a better way to say it. Because have you noticed how we're so quick to believe the worst about people? We're, this is what gossip is all about. It's believing the worst about people. You know, like this thing happened and now we're seeing her true colours. <laughs> you know, I can't believe I thought she was nice. I can't believe I thought he was trustworthy. Yeah, I can't believe I trusted him, whatever. You know, trauma programs are not our true colours. Coping mechanisms are not our true colours. Why do we, like, you know what I mean? When when you see someone um, in their reactions and, and you say that that's their true colours, and that you were tricked, you were fooled, you were betrayed. What breaks our belief? Because we weren't born with broken belief. That which breaks our trust breaks our belief. Broken trust leads to cynicism, which will keep us small. Cynicism keeps us small and ineffective detached from our purpose, detached from that most authentic part of us, you know, that part of you that chose to come here with that is so alive in purpose, is a cycle of trust-destroying experiences. And it breaks my heart to think of these 
fresh little humans that come with so much trust, all vulnerable and trusting, and that these experiences happen over and over again, you know, each worsening the next, where people who you trust betray that trust for their own gain, which teaches us to start believing the worst about people in fear. But trauma programs are not our true colours. And studying creativity in humans is what led me to studying what abstracts creativity in humans. And I had to believe that humans are inherently creative, that they are their um, default, the real default was creativity and unity, love, joy, peace, generosity, hope, mercy, that these are our true colours. And if these are not what we are experiencing, then this is a signal that a coping mechanism is running on autopilot. But learning to measure by love, not fear, by hope, not hopelessness, by design, not chaotic phenomenon. You know, when <laughs> I remember, you know, five or so years ago, if I were to witness somebody having a real, you know, reaction breakdown, that I would sense that as a chaotic phenomenon, that it would just be so confusing. And the shock of that confusion is what kind of tripped my circuit to start uh, well, break, breaking my belief, breaking it more, breaking it down because I can't see, uh, I can't see what there is to stand on here. I can't see what things are made of. I have no reference for measuring, but once I started to, uh, measure things by love and not fear and practice this using real time, everyday situations to see things through love and not fear to speak from love and not fear, to act from love and not fear. I started to see things like the framework of the value of life just started becoming so obvious to me that when I see someone having a mental breakdown or like whatever it is, whatever it is that difficult people do, um, yeah, I, I wasn't confused anymore. I just saw, oh, that's the absence of this wonderful thing. That's what it looks like. And then instead of having fear and having my belief broken, I actually had compassion. And you know what the crazy thing is, and this is why I really wanted to create this podcast, is that the way that you analyse and measure other people will always come back on yourself. So that's why this cancel culture is so insidious to me. This idea that, well, that person believes this and they they do that, so I'm not having anything to do with them. This is really dangerous because when you do that, it comes back on you. When we practice believing the worst about people, when we practice believing that 
if someone thinks or believes certain things that we can't have anything to do with them and that we have to cancel them. Us humans can't help but use the same measure on lots of things, including ourselves, our own bodies, our future, our ability. We kind of box everything up small and put all these um, restrictions on, on stuff. And then we wonder why we can't dream big and why we can't believe that, you know, that how big would you dream if you knew you couldn't fail? The reason why that is so empowering is because our belief is broken and we've just got to, you know, have a peek on the other side of things, what it really looks like. Just think for a second, how big would you dream if you knew you couldn't fail? Why is my belief so broken that that is so empowering to me? because it's so different to everything else that that I'm hearing, you know, the messaging that's coming through, the, um, the, the thoughts that are running just constantly in my own head. This is the opposite. So how do we, how do we get more of that? How do we embody that belief? And this is why healing our belief is just so important to me. The idea of coming back to um, that natural state where we just expand and unfurl. I, I know from my own experience that there have been times where I have distanced myself for safety, for emotional safety. And I also noticed that when I did that, I actually stopped growing. Although I was comfortable and I was in control of things. I wasn't growing. So what's that about? I, I became really frustrated and it wasn't until I um, opened myself back up again, I stopped trying to distance myself from these difficult things that I started growing just crazy amounts each day. And um, developing the ability to come at situations with complete humility, to come with um, open hands and the ability to see what's going on and measure it by love and not fear and speak out of love and not fear and be brutally honest with myself um, for what what part I had to play, how am I implicated in this breakdown? Because this is the amazing thing about people that we love to cancel and judge and um, say, like condemn. <laughs> They're often demonstrating a behaviour that if you break it down into the essential, like what is actually going on here, we understand that we're actually all implicated to varying degrees, might be a way smaller degree than what that person is manifesting. But, you know, being brutally honest, like I've actually done that to a degree. It just wasn't noticeable. It wasn't offensive to anyone because it was so small. <laughs> but any degree of this energy is contributing to the collective breakdown. And I think when we start to realise this, this, this is humility. This is realising that I'm not separate from everything else. And what I do and say, it might seem like I'm not hurting anyone, 
But if it is out of, you know, coping mechanisms and trauma programs and fear, um, disconnection, if it's made of those things, then it is contributing to the collective breakdown. And I loved the freedom of this because the compassion that floods in, and it's not even just compassion for that person that's breaking down. It's compassion for humanity. It's compassion that comes back onto me so that when there are parts of myself that I'm, you know, clearly dysfunctional, breaking down, whatever it is, I've got loads of that compassion that washes back onto me and my belief is healing bit by bit. Do you see? This is why I'm bothering saying all these things because the same measure that you measure other people, if if you don't bring it back to yourself and, and become more excellent in yourself, like that person, that difficult person is actually your most effective teacher because they are demonstrating something so obviously, so obviously it's the best lesson for you to learn what is that made of, why is this like this, what's missing, what is missing. Because when you start to understand what's missing, then you start to see what the shadow is. It's just the absence of the light. What is this light? What is this light? (laughs) Because when I start to understand that, I can't help but shine that light. Do you see? (laughs) And then no shadow can, can stand. Like it doesn't, there's not even a fight. It's just displaced. (laughs) It's just displaced by that perfect light, pure heart. This is the call. Come back to purity. And there's another quote that comes to mind. I'll have to um, put in the notes who said this because I can't remember off the top of my head. But, and I've said this in another podcast too, but um, it's important. So I have to say it lots of times. (laughs) Okay. Um, Wisdom is the recovery of innocence at the far end of experience. So being born with pure heartedness, with with our trust intact and going through experiences that understandably break that trust over and over again, breaking our belief, boxing us in, making us feel powerless and unable to dream big for ourselves or for humanity. But then starting to understand, well, what is this? And do I want to keep believing these things because they come back on me? And starting to believe something better and practicing it with your real life situations, whoever is difficult in your life is wonderful practice. You're just not going to get this valuable experience, this um, valuable lesson without these difficult people. You won't. (laughs) You could like read all the books you want, but if you don't have those day-to-day scenarios and confronting situations where you're forced to be there um, feeling those things and practising keeping your head so that you're not shocked by all that chaotic phenomena, but instead you're just the observer. 
with your eyes of love and, and all of your hope and, and you start to see that this person is crying out from brokenness, you know, desperately crying out for something. They don't even know that they're doing it. They're so stuck and tangled up, you know. So then that compassion floods through. And quite often we don't even need to say anything. Like if you're not sure what to say, you just don't say anything. You just observe. And I think coming to that very deepest part of myself in these situations and just being perfectly honest, you know, um, honesty, we need more of that. Because like I said, just any kind of degree of lie is a signal for broken belief. And whatever's going to heal our belief is the opposite of those things. So practicing truth, practicing honesty, practice being honest faster. This is the pure heartedness at the end of experience, this, um, the wisdom, the recovery of innocence at the far end of experience. This is wisdom. This is the wisdom that encompasses all of humanity because you can't divide yourself and you can't judge somebody else with that coming back on you, without that coming back on you. It'll come back, you know, and it's so subtle that we don't usually make the connection. And I know I didn't for years and years and years. Like I just thought I'm just a really anxious person. (laughs) Not realising that my anxiety was directly fed by my lack of belief, my broken belief. It's a total signal for broken belief because when you're anxious, you're stuck in that chaotic phenomena. You know, like anything could happen and I can't see what I'm standing on and I'm not safe and all of these, you know, crazy ideas. Healing our belief means healing the collective. Back to my notes. I go on these rants and then I touch on things and I come back to the notes and I get confused about what I've said and what I haven't said. (laughs) Bear with me. I hope this is making sense. Do you see the significance of it? Coming back to our true colours, believing in our true colours, despite what, what trauma programs and coping mechanisms people are throwing up at us, I don't believe that that is them. Learning to measure by love, not fear, by hope not hopelessness, by design, not chaotic phenomenon. This this me first is the most powerful way to learn. So what I mean by that is whenever you've got these situations with difficult people, these infuriatingly dysfunctional people who are our best teachers, this is a brilliant opportunity to distinguish what's happening in that person, what's what's missing, and then bringing that back onto me. So even though it's not to the same degree, how am I complicit in 
this energy, you know, um, what in my behaviour is, what's the word, like made of, made of the same thing to a much lesser degree but still made of the same thing where there's, you know, acting out of fear, acting out of hopelessness to whatever degree this is still feeding it and we can't, like, how can we judge somebody for acting out obviously if we're doing the same thing just in subtlety? You know what I mean? Like we all have dirty hands for this. And and whatever mercy we have for somebody who's obviously breaking down, the same mercy is going to come back on ourselves, and gradually, bit by bit, we heal our belief. It's it's pretty unpopular because it means that you you suffer. <laughs> it means that you're going to have awkward situations and suffering because. Difficult people uh, just bring suffering with them. But like I said, when I stayed at a safe distance, I actually cut myself off from growth. So, yeah, look, I understand that we have a duty of care for ourselves and our families and that there are situations where you do have to stay at a safe distance. Um, So this is something that I think you need to measure for yourself. And I just know that in my experience that I stopped growing, I stopped expanding when I distanced myself. And it was actually in, in the heat of things in, um, in those uncomfortable situations that I learnt so much about what is troubling us humans, about our plight, about what's missing, about the truth of, um, well, our true colours. You know, we're in so much pain without that truth. And and that's where, why we see all this anxiety and depression and everything because we can't see ourselves. We've lost faith in, in ourselves and in humanity and, and in the design that is just there. You know, I feel it when I do my art. I know that there is just a certain, uh, I guess you could say, laws of nature. This is the design. Laws of nature, like physics and chemistry and the way that things flow and run and, and affect each other. I just know that that's there and I can lean on it. I know it well because I've practiced it over and over again. I kind of know uh, a little bit what to expect. I mean, it's always, <laughs> there's always um, great practice for tolerating uncertainty when you're working with fluid stuff and any kind of intuitive art. But the point I'm making is that there is a design. There is a way that things work, you know, and uh, learning about that inexperience is just everything to me because I see what I'm standing on. I see that there's a beautiful, strong wind that can hold my weight if I just have that trust and lean back into it. I can take a load off and, and still do everything that I'm, you know, that I want to do. <laughs> so, yeah, so just sharing from my experience. When I stop trying to avoid this suffering, and avoid confrontation and all of these things. 
when I started just being present and listening and understanding what's missing, man, I just remember so many revelations just hitting me one after another and so much mercy came back on on myself, you know, my vision for humanity. This is big. <laughs> this is enormous. So I, I hope that it's encouraging to you because it's not popular. It's not popular to, to stay in places where you're suffering. We naturally avoid suffering, right? We have a distaste for curveballs <laughs> and the unexpected misnomer. <laughs> That's totally understandable. But then I think, well, what I noticed in myself was that I became great at idealism and expectation and and not very good at handling uncertainty and flexibility and spontaneity and losing. I became not very good at losing. Uh, like not not terribly bad loser, but still not as good as what I know is in me to, you know, immediately I think of the school playground and it's very obvious which kids were sore losers and how annoying that was, you know, when someone just couldn't take their outs. Yeah, there's a little bit of that in each of us. If we don't um, have mercy for ourselves and for the collective. And the thing about it too, and this is probably what bothers me the most, is that difficult people who habitually exhibit offensive behaviour, you know those people, think of someone, (laughs) think of someone who you are offended by. (laughs) And now just think about how much energy you expend on being offended. And you can say, well, it's obvious that that behaviour would cause offence. I'm understandably offended. And you may be right. But what I want to point out is that whether it's justified or not, that that energy that's expended on being offended is the same. And it's big. <laughs> like we have... We have an energy budget, emotional energy budget. And in my experience, whenever I'm spending energy on being offended, like you might feel like you're not in control of this, but you actually are. You are in control of how offended you want to be or how offended you are by any given thing. (laughs) And I'll go into that in a minute. But um, we're on an energy budget. And in my experience, when I've been offended about something, there's very little return. Actually, I don't think there's any return for expenditure on offence. No matter what it is that's happened, if I'm going to be offended, then I am spending my energy on this offence with no return. Do you see what I mean? So imagine how powerful you become if you are unoffendable, how much more energy you have for goodness, for things that actually have an effect 
That's what we want. We don't want to be spending our resources on what doesn't have an effect, right? So spending your resources, your emotional resources on offense, learn how to not be offended. So I think because we kind of feel like the offense is a given, that feeling offended, that there's nothing we can do about it, that it's that person's fault for doing that thing and that's why I'm offended. So I just have to distance myself from that so that I'm not going to spend energy on being offended. Well, that's one way to do it. But then you're actually, you know, <laughs> I think that that chips away at your belief and that 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 cutting off will actually come back on you some way in a very subtle way that's hard to even connect. <sighs> but wherever you've got avoidance and a, you know, that, um, oh, I can't think of my words, that tendency, that tendency to say about someone, oh, that's their true colours showing, you know, when it's all negative. If, you ha- if you're experiencing that, that's broken belief and it's going to come back on you somehow. So how, how do you not be offended? Now, I've been studying this for the last couple of years <laughs> and I'm proud to say I'm getting pretty close to being unoffendable. And the way that you practice this is whenever you have a situation that you're feeling is offensive, instead of being there in your, in your vulnerable self, just copying it, you become the observer. You go a bit deeper than that. You go deeper than all that, you know, because that's all kind of like around your, your ego. You go a bit deeper and connect with the observing part of yourself. This is the part that's getting wise at the far end of experience. That part of you has is very powerful for figuring out values and what things are made of and what's missing. And that's why all of my courses and programs are about connecting you back with that deepest part of yourself. Because that part of you has really great um, ability to discern. Well, the more that you exercise it, it's got a good ability to discern um, energy and what's going on and what's missing. And when you're observing, instead of just getting caught up in all that emotional chaos, you are learning, like, I don't know where else you could learn this. Like we actually need these situations. Tell you what, like, I don't know where I'd be if I didn't learn these things. You know, I have absolutely no regret for all the suffering that has come with not cancelling, not shutting down, because there has. There's there's definitely been um, a lot of collateral damage, but it is absolutely worth it because now I understand. And this, this is that quote, this is the recovery of innocence at the far end of experience. Now I understand that person is in pain for good reason. And lots of times, like 
these difficult, dysfunctional people are carrying a lot of generational trauma that we can't see. And it's difficult for them because most of the time they don't even know that. And they just have all these really difficult energies and feelings just trapped in their bones. Imagine what would happen if we had compassion instead of judgment, instead of condemnation. Imagine if we had mercy. Imagine if if most of us had the ability to not be offended, to, to grow that wisdom, to be able to see what's really going on here and to extend that same mercy back onto ourselves. Imagine what would happen to the collective if we were practicing this. Can you see what I'm saying? This is huge. So I want to encourage you that if you are in a situation where you, that's awkward and uncomfortable and, and you're, you know, you're suffering, you kind of want to resist it. You wish you could get away. (laughs) I just want to encourage you that there's probably actually really rich lessons there for you that dysfunctional people are our greatest teachers. If you can detach from that ego part of yourself, that part of you that, that says, um, this is so wrong. Um, I, I'm not going to trust you anymore. And you know, all that victim kind of talk. And look, guys, I know that there are situations where you have a duty of care to yourself or your family, whatever, to remove yourself from unsafe situations. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about, um, you know, situations that are more like confrontational and awkward and, when you, you know, if you've got someone in your family who is difficult, then you'll know what I'm talking about. It's it's these situations. And half the time what I noticed was that the situation got a lot worse when I couldn't see, when I wasn't being brutally honest about my own the way that I was implicated in this, my own, um, my own dysfunction, even though it was a lot more subtle (laughs) to a smaller degree, it was there nevertheless, you know, and if I learned to measure things by love, not fear, by hope, not hopelessness, then I could see ways that I was also empowering fear and hopelessness in the way that I was communicating. And, and the actions that I was having in these situations. And that is so, so important to me to understand what I'm doing that I couldn't see. Oh, I don't know where I would be if I didn't have these lessons and I resent nothing. I resent none of the collateral damage. I just feel so enriched and so grateful to understand So, and I know that I'm not at the end of my life, but I keep coming back to this, the recovery of innocence at the far end of experience, because that betrayal of trust, that's a loss of innocence. That's, um, you know, I've been thinking about this too, about loss of innocence, about how you've been exposed to something that is not, it's kind of unnatural. And whether that's for your age or whatever, it's it's just not supposed to be part of your consciousness. That's a loss of innocence. 
and that's what happens when people hurt us. We're not made for this. We're not made to be all disconnected and hurting each other. (sighs) My heart just breaks for the collective. I really feel this shift, though, that um, this honesty, this willingness to do the hard things, to suffer if, if we have to, to come back to the truth, to come back to that recovery of innocence at the far end of experience and only be grateful because this is just, this is treasure. There's a Rumi quote that says, where there is ruin, there is hope for a treasure. So the more hurtful the circumstances, the more dysfunctional person, the person, um, that is, you know, a greater ruin that's more obvious for a hope of a treasure. And if you can learn to see the treasure in that very obvious dysfunctional um, coping mechanisms and trauma programs and all that, if, if you can hope for the treasure, if you can learn to see what's what's truly underneath all of that, despite all that chaos, you'd be able to see it anywhere, especially in yourself, especially in yourself. <laughs> Do you see how it all comes back? Oh, just, I hope that you're feeling encouraged. I hope that it's not too confronting or confusing. And I know that there could be, you know, triggering ideas in here too. It's it's not my intention to traumatise you further. I just want to share from my own experience and, yeah, just bring information that's probably not already talked about because this is not popular. <laughs> but what I think, just after listening to this, well, tell me what you think. I'm totally open for a discussion. If you've got any ideas or you want to challenge anything that I've said, I love this because I just want to get to the heart of, of what's going on, you know, so that we can improve things. It's not about like being wrong or right or any of those things. It's just about what's effective. Um, you're just checking my notes to see if I've missed anything. Yeah, don't waste your energy on expense. Learn how to not be offended because you can. That is probably my favourite part about this. Probably my favourite part about just my own self-development in the last few years is like witnessing myself in a situation where I would normally be highly offended and actually only having compassion. (laughs) I know it just, it feels like really deep age old wisdom. Tell you what, I really, I feel myself standing on like something really solid now when that happens. And I, I, I watch it and I go, oh man, I would have been so offended by this ages ago. I would have expended so much energy because you know when you're offended how it's just like all these thoughts running through your head of what you should have said and how dare they and and all that, like you start compiling a list of all the wrong things this person has done, like to, to be able to say how dare they <laughs> even louder and, and with more conviction. <laughs> Oh, that is so destructive for our bodies and our cells. 
it's really destructive. And something else that I've thought about recently is that um, if you think of yourself as the captain of a ship, you know, or I don't know, the leader of a team and your team is all the cells of your body who are listening, <laughs> they actually want to bring you to a better place. They're, they're doing everything they can all your organs and your heart beating and everything is doing everything it it can to keep you alive and unfurling. So any kind of, yeah, wasting resources on being offended or any kind of negative emotions that have absolutely no return for your team, we've got to get smart about this got to get smart about not wasting our resources on what doesn't give us a return and what confuses our team. Like imagine how disheartening that would be if the captain of your ship or the captain of your team, whatever it is, was just spouting all this negativity all the time when you're just trying to honestly do your job and do it well. Imagine that. But if if we've got negative self-talk running and limiting beliefs, that is what's happening. That's what's happening. That breaks my heart. The cells of your body and your organs and everything is willing to try again, you know, to will, willing to keep going. So imagine how well it's going to go if you stop all that negativity and start feeding it what it needs to get, you know, to become unstoppable, to become so powerful that you're just practically a burning ball of light that just, yeah, displaces all the darkness wherever you go. <laughs> I believe that for us. I do. And I love learning these things. And I'm so grateful to have you here. Thank you so much for listening. Again, if there's anything that you would like to talk about, I would love to hear it. I don't think this was quite as deep and the same as my first podcast that didn't actually record, but so be it. I hope that it's still a blessing to you. If it has been a blessing to you, please consider sharing it with people that come to mind. Peace on your heart. Peace on your home.